Hello and welcome to another episode of the Comedian's Paradise. This is a comedy podcast where we speak to Cynthia Lane, fascinating people that help comedians like you and me live life on our own terms. Now, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe, and give us a five-star view on iTunes and Amazon. Now, today's wonderful guest is Finley Christie. He is a man who is bilingual like Gordon Ramsay. He is a man who is one of the fastest rising stars on the UK comedy scene. And he he has acting, he has many different stories to tell us today. And we're in for an absolute treat. Hello, Finley. Hey Robin, thanks so much for that intro. That was really nice. Yeah, thanks, man. It's 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 always people always say, like, oh man, this is amazing. It's very epic. Oh, the podcast. Well, you've got a great voice for it. I don't, do people say that a lot? Yeah, they say that I, I should do a lot of voiceovers. And I've had, a, had an incident in the bar where some Eastern European guy, um, he spoke to me and he says, big voice from a small man. <laughs> <laughs> How about are you, small man? I'm I, about I, five foot nine or five you know, foot... You know we've met once before. Remember where that? did we meet? Instant laughs back in the day. Oh, was, did you do the new material night? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. And and you cracked me up. There was because I did a joke about Love Island, and then you mentioned that you'd been at um at like Thai school with one of the contestants. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> she and yeah. You were like, where's my fame? I was you know <laughs> we grew up with the same situation. She's <laughs> in Love Island. <laughs> oh, it's actually happened quite actually quite. It's a. I mean, you probably had this as well. Like Tom Holland went to my school, uh, Wimbledon College. Um, what's it called? Francis Foster went to the same school as me, and he runs trigonometry. And I got Jamie Crummy who runs this thing called Too Fresh to Go, which is some health company, which is he's in Forbes under thirty. And then I'm doing open mic gigs. <laughs> I mean, I mean. I mean, you threw Francis Foster in with Tom Holland there, which I think he'll be very flattered by that. But um, <laughs> yeah, too fresh to go. And top that is crazy. Tom Holland as well. Wow. Do, what, do you remember him? I think he, he was like a little kid when I, when I was with him. Like He was like really young. And uh, we spoke a little bit. And I think he saw me once in a events catering thing. And we chatted a bit and that was it. <laughs> but his dad's a comedian, apparently. Really? Yeah, Jeff Whiting said that his dad's a comedian, so he could. But I, I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Celebrity and all that. Like we, we all know people, and like you yourself, you're an actor as well as a comedian. You've done quite a wide range of things. And well, I did, I did acting back when I was a little kid, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say I was an actor still. <laughs> but you, you, you've, you've had that. As, do you have that in school as well, where you've grown up with people and you find out someone's done this and that you're like oh for fuck's sake oh, who, i'm trying to think who like who do i have a connection with fame wise damn there's got to be there's no one that springs to mind um oh there was one girl i went to primary school and secondary school with and she was on she ended up being on like jimmy fallon i think she was in like a tim burton film she has that kind of tim burton girl called ella Pennell. Uh. I don't know if you know who that is, but she I, got my famous. Mm. 
yeah it's it's all sorts of things like that it's always i think whoever you know you always have that situation where you like go to the same school as someone and someone you know makes it big and you're like ah. i mean it's 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 a good it's a sign of inspiration but i meant like there is always that part of you that's a bit like that but the it thing makes, is i think happy i love it i don't know i think um it's... i think if they were in the same kind of actually if they were in the same kind of field as me and if i was feeling like competitive about comedy that day i might be like oh fuck's sake but i think i think the difference between someone who's like a hater and someone who goes on to do better themselves is that that someone will see that person as inspiration and push forward and use that positively that you can do what you want to do whilst others will go true. back into their shell and start bitching or doing anything like that that's true yeah. and i mean you must have had that as well i mean like you you've been doing comedy what two or three years now something like that yeah, around, around that time yeah, yeah. and like, when you started you must have a lot of stories from like you started and then when you got into so you think you're funny and then when you won you must one thing that i'm very interested to see because i've not done so well in comedy competitions is on the other side and how people have changed towards you because it must be quite interesting from your side how things changed yeah i mean i think they actually changed less than I thought they would. Ah. I think um, I think there's a perception before you do comedy competitions of, oh my God, as soon as I win this, you know, my emails will never get ignored again. People will finally start, you know, appreciate. People still didn't know who I was after So You Think You're Funny. Um, the main thing it did was help me get an agent. But also you don't really need to win a competition to get an agent. So I think comedy competitions are kind of overrated in their you know importance importance but I'm, I'm, I might be saying that just because I won mine and then I had to go abroad and I sort of lost momentum but I don't know but you still got that like you still you still got them on your books yeah no that was very getting an agent would helped a lot did help a lot and in terms of booking your gigs I mean that must save that one of the most annoying things is booking gigs and they can do, they can sort of handle that for you in a way, isn't it? It's interesting because because comedy agents there are comedy agents that do book a lot of gigs, and there are comedy agents who sort of leave it to you. So I I don't know I I I still I do still struggle booking gigs, especially really? in like the in like in the you know big clubs like Top Secret, comedy hmm. store places like that. I've had okay. Yeah, I, I think sometimes also some of it is down to because I spoke to, do you know, Lynn Ruth Miller? No, I don't. Who's Lynn Ruth Miller? So she's a comedian who started when she was 70 and now she's around 80 odd. Mm. And she's been in comedy for 16, 70 years. And she really gave an honest insight into how comedy works and how to progress and how the structures. And I was, I'll send you a clip of it like when I when it's uploaded, see what you think. But she gave a lot of useful insights and she says, a lot of the people that get ahead are very are like hungry dogs. Like they they budget people and say, "When you booking me? When you going on here?" Or it's people that are very pushy. I think, and... think you got to be like that in life. Yeah. But part of me thinks though, if I'm I, like if if I was the promoter, like if I was someone like Mike Ruffin or Don Moore or something, and someone keeps informing me, I I I block that number. <laughs> No, I think I think is it. I think there's a, a fine line between being like being pushy and just like making sure that people don't forget you because there's so many people in this scene and you've got a, 
you know I, I think like one of one of my mantras is never rely on anyone to do anything and I yeah. think if, if you just keep if you if you say like oh oh there's no shows going at the moment but um you'll remember to book me later they just won't so you just need to email the person again and again just make sure that they're like you're you're a haunting figure in their life that just keeps popping up <laughs> make them scared of you you're yeah. trying to make yourself a bit like um like a big like napoleon waterloo like a domineering general <laughs> I think I, do you know what you've got to have a kind of um entrepreneurial attitude when it comes to comes to comedy there's a lot of admin involved but one of the things that i find quite interesting as well because you so now you're you're in france and you're going to be there what till the till you finish your degree oh i'm in um i'm in i had to come back from france so i've been in london okay. for this year yeah okay but you are you going to go back there or what's no i I, just, I finished my last exam about three days ago so i'm done with uni now and i mean i, I you know i love to go back there and see people but um don't know when Okay, well, one of the things that I've thought of that's quite interesting and one thing that I want to look into is that, I've, like, some of the people that I've found that have been very successful, like Novak Djokovic or Fedra and some of these other people, they're, they're bilingual. And there's something, I think there's something about being bilingual that, in terms of creativity and seeing things outside of the board, that helps you then someone just knows one language. I mean, like, you know, with learning French yourself, it's not only just to translate what it means, but you also got to think of that language. The structure is completely different. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're bilingual, right? I, what I'm wanting to become bilingual. Uh, so I, I was in France, I was in Gaulier for a bit and I learned a little bit of French. But the only thing is I went to Gaulier and everyone there speaks English. So you don't know, <laughs> learn yeah, French. Yeah. And it's a bit like, you know how people go to Spain and they, they just meet with English. So don't really learn the language. Shame. People even did that on my year abroad, you know. People were just hanging out with English people on the year abroad. I was like, I'm not doing that. I made it I like made it clear with myself, if you do that, I'll be pissed off with you. So I just hung out with French people the whole time. It's a lot more interesting, isn't it? You get more stories, you you experience the culture differently as well. Definitely. And how was your journey when you did comedy in French as opposed to English? <laughs> well okay so okay this is this is a fun story so I, I i um i started out and i was just doing i was like just trying to find out what comedy clubs there were in Lyon and just emailing them and they were all very impressed even though they didn't know what so you think you're funny was because i literally just won so you think you're funny they were like oh it's you know it's cool they think if you're an english comedian you must be good because they think the comedy scene in english countries is sort of advanced which it is it's like yeah. 10 or 20 years or so ahead in terms of material and stuff um, and then, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, come down." And, and I would, did this one, this one club, and it was like I just found that the audiences were quite like, like stiff. And when you try and make fun of French people, they they very much kind of were not comfortable about it. I did a sixty-year-old man's birthday party and bombed. Like they just hated me. They were like, "This guy's talking shit about France that we don't like it." And then I sort of found my scene. There was like, there's a lot of North African comics in. Um, in Lyon, there's like Algerians and Moroccans and stuff. And I sort of got my way in with them and they ran loads of gigs. So I do gigs in like shisha bars or gigs in like Algerian restaurants and stuff. And I did really well with those crowds. So I sort of found my own little scene in, in Lyon 
and um that was so much fun because i just i you know I, I, we'd do the gig and then we'd stay in the shisha bar until like 6 a.m <laughs> i get like paid in shisha and and like i was just it was so much fun looking back on it and I, I would have no idea what most of the room was saying half the time but i was, I was just absorbing it and just enjoying that kind of immersion um and just sort of getting by on just sort of being sort of fairly sort of young and naive and likable so comedy was your way of learning language <laughs> yeah, yeah no it was and it was such a good way of learning the language because I just I needed to have obviously you learn it's like doing an oral or something you learn your script and then you go up and you do it um and then you have the rest of the time you're just you're, yeah you're just immersing yourself and and I think I, I every now and again I would like improvise or something and and that was like really that was really rewarding and I pick and you know what because it was North African rooms and stuff I'd pick up a lot of this like the slang and the, the Arabic words and stuff that you'd kind of learn and um yeah wow it was that was so good for my language proficiency honestly yeah and what would you say you're fluent now no just sort of semi-fluent you can have a good conversation with people sometimes people tell me that i'm fluent in french and other times i struggle and yeah so yeah that's a good description of it did, did you use duolingo or any of that or did you just focus on the vocabulary uh, well, do you think I mean, I, 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 I do French at uni. It's like part of my degree or like I did French at uni. So. Okay. So that went, that gave you a good foundation for it. You weren't like yeah. a duck to water. Absolutely. Yeah. We didn't need the grammar and stuff. Yeah. And how did you find doing comedy in French as opposed to doing it in English? Um, I think. I had to get used to just the sentence structure in terms of I think if you have a good if you have a good like sense of where the joke falls in a sentence naturally in English you can sort of transpose that into French um, like sometimes I would write something I would like try and translate a joke or something from English and it's and in French it just wouldn't really there'd be like wordplay involved or it just wouldn't the, the the funny word wouldn't fall in the right place or sometimes I'd write something in French I'm trying to think of an example. Um, oh, I have I had this joke um, about like uh, I literally posted on TikTok the other day about how English people are really white and pale, and that in French I was talking about like they're, they're so like they're so pale they glow in the dark like you can actually use English people to like you can actually use um, people to find your way home at night, and in French it's il me sert pour trouver mon chemin dans la nuit. And it just doesn't sound anywhere as they, I use them to find my way home at night. It just doesn't sound. And then it, anyway, I'm explaining it terribly, but um, some jokes just sound better in French. Cause yeah, what's it called? Sugar Sammy says that English is the quickest language to get into the punchline. Whilst to French, they make it so much longer. Yeah, but then in, sometimes it's the, it's the other way around. But yeah, no, it's a good point. The sentences are generally a lot longer. And how did this, what's the style of the comedians you perform with as opposed to an English comic? There's a lot of jokes about like um, differences between men and women or sex, a lot more vulgar topics, a lot less kind of absurd. Um, just think of like, 
the comedy scene in 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 America like twenty years ago. It'll be it'll be like that. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, just there's there's no real um like a, the guy did a joke on stage about uh like footballers like coming during a game and it went off i just thought this would never <laughs> this would this would come across as a bit disgusting to to an english crowd oh yes <laughs> yeah maybe maybe american crowds would like it a bit more though but <laughs> maybe yeah probably <laughs> yeah so what you just said that and there's no sort of not enough context or just he mimed the whole thing like he was like shaking he mimed like playing football and then stopping and then and then <laughs> it was quite it was quite gross but actually really funny um and like just like you know shaking on stage and i can't really remember where it went from there did you see any um any comedy when you were out in france so i did <sighs> i only watched the english comics in paris but so they... the thing is are they different? It's sort of similar to what you said, my friend. They're, they're, they're definitely years behind the English-speaking comics in London or New York. And, yeah, I couldn't find any French gigs. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I was actually on the lookout. I wanted to see how it would come across because I had a lot of funny interaction with people in France trying to learn French. And in some ways, I think it helps your comedy. What I found in the Golio school is that some of the best performers didn't really speak English that well. I think because the understanding language is so limited, it forced them to improve as a performer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a good, I think I found that as well in French. Do, do you think it's changed you in your in a way, your experience of doing comedy in French? Changed the way I do comedy? Um... It's changed me. I mean, it probably has, but I can't articulate why. Really, I've never really thought about this. It's not yet, not yet, and it's it's an interesting thing as well because I found some of the comedians that come to the UK, like some of what makes them funny is the fact that they have a foreign accent, not to sound wrong but it's like you got cat who's from thailand she sounds funny because she's her accent you have a costelles and so many of them they could just say anything like a dog walked in a park and make that funny definitely well i mean yeah it's definitely an advantage did you have that sort of in france because you were english and you yeah a hundred percent yeah it was so much easier so much easier like yeah I, I literally went, I used to go up on stage in, 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 in the shisha bars and say, assalamu alaikum. And the whole, the crowd would fall to pieces laughing. <laughs> it, oh, that must have been interesting. It's, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting for you. I mean, like later on, once things get back to normal, because you've had that experience, because you've got more places to go to and you can, I mean, you could do the, some of the French gigs in the UK. I'd love to do that, yeah. I'd love to. Definitely. What, 
what was your um so we talked a bit about your experience first getting the french comedy but what was your journey into comedy and like what led you into it were you always the person that cracked jokes in your friends group or what happened oh man i'm i was quite i was a bit of a class clown at primary school and then sort of got my head down and was quite sensible at secondary school um but i was when i was in when i was in primary sort of around that time and a bit in secondary as well i, I did this thing called the comedy club for kids which was um like a kind of like like comedy workshops for children and um every now and again they'd 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 let they'd let you do like a little spot on stage and stuff um so i technically did my first gig when i was about seven uh but that was i think that really helped actually in terms of we used to like do like little drill we'd play like uh, the mock the week game you know like scenes we'd like to see where you you get given a category and you will stand forward and um and then in terms of like getting to uni I just hated uni so much. I mean, in, in my first year, I thought I was going to do like a sport. I did American football for a year. That was such a stupid idea. It was so terrible. <laughs> and in second year, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I should just do comedy. Like, I had so much fun doing that back in the day. And at school, I would like write funny plays and stuff. And I even put on a comedy night at, at school. I was like, oh, I should just be doing comedy. And I just started it as like a silly, I started it to do something in, in the evening because I hated, hated uni. And um, the moment I thought, oh, maybe I'm actually good at this is I did like, a, I did like Rising Star, you know, Rising Star. And it's just an open mic. And, um, and I won like the clap off thing. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm actually not bad at this. And then, then you started to get more confident and then you just went and so you think you're funny and like other competitions and how did they go and what was the setup there um again i just i just felt like i was just fluking it every single time couldn't believe that i was like getting through um i did like the, i did chortle student comedy award and i didn't i didn't actually make it uh i didn't actually make it through my heat like there were two other people in my heat that got through and i didn't uh and then i was like a wild card and i got through and then so you think you're funny I remember being in the final and thinking, oh, there's no way I've won that. I even like said, this is so embarrassing. I even said to someone else I was performing with, like, oh, you're definitely going to win. Like I saw you, you're definitely, definitely going to win. And then went up on stage and couldn't believe that they'd, that they picked me. I feel like, I feel like I've fluked it up until this point, not going to lie. That's pretty humble of you. That's pretty sort of, you, every comedy gig is a humbling experience I think. oh yeah no doubt and that's that's possibly maybe one of the reasons why you you did quite well because maybe you because you you didn't go in expecting to be this or that and maybe that's part of the thing that there was no pressure on yourself you just went in to have fun and that's maybe often why we do our best when we don't put that pressure i think so i think so i've always done it just to have fun Definitely. how was the setup because i noticed that when you go in the comedy competition finals i saw that you have a big name comedian do they sit with you do they chat with you what happens <laughs> oh yeah just oh, just backstage with uh uh who was it oh, i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember her name 
and I literally did a show with her the other week. That's so embarrassing. But um, yeah, they were just we were just knocking about backstage, all just very nervous, and um, it was quite a nice. Oh, the actually, do you know what the green room? The green room for so you think you're funny was nice, but the green room for chore student comedy was. Oh, I'm gonna get emotional. Basically, like it was just like all these like young comics that were all just kind of like on the same wavelength in terms of like our sense of humor and stuff just like all cracking jokes and stuff before going on i just loved being in a room with like just people my age like all being funny and like looking around and being like oh maybe i'll i'll you know if i carry this on i might know some of these people like, yeah. like you know, 10 years in the future and we'll look back on this that was a really sweet moment actually well it might happen i mean what's it called you and eric ella both got signed didn't you so yeah yeah Eric is so funny, man. So, so funny. It would be quite funny, though, isn't it? If, like, 10 years down the line, you guys are having your own tours and doing this and that, and you start having a chat about it. Well, Eric definitely will be. I don't know about me. Eric is going to, you know, make it for sure. Like, so funny. And what was... So, when you sort of go into these... You said that it didn't sort of change too much, but what 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 was the experience like when you got got signed? Did someone from Blue Book Artist Manager go, "Yo, fam, you're sick. I want to sign yeah, you up." Christian Knowles did exactly that. He, I, I was like, I don't know if that accent is appropriate, but <laughs> it was it, it was it was weird because um, a lot of people a lot of people were going up to Erica and being like. You should have won <laughs> so, and i was just like standing there in the corner like I, like yeah I, I agree um and then one one agent came up to me and was like was like yeah i thought you were brilliant really liked your your delivery and stuff take my card and um and i was like you know what might not get another chance like this so yeah jumped on it and you just called him up did you was it like an apprentice style interview he invited you to office he was so nice. He took me out for like like coffee in in bloody Soho, and um, was just so nice about my material in like a way that nobody ever really had been before. And I was like, I was like this. I was like this guy, you know, has more confidence in me than than I do. So gonna gonna be with him. Did you get approached by quite a few then? Or no, was... it was just okay. one. But when he came and supported you, you could feel that he wasn't just because you've seen it in sometimes in boxing. And I think maybe it does happen a bit in comedy. You get people that try and do this and that and they go, they try and make money out of you and they, they do all these daft things with you and they don't look after your best interests. But from what you said there, what you said about Christian, it says that he was just an easygoing guy. He wants to make the most out of you and he's going to help you go forward. But he's not one of these i mean i'm sure i think um, i think obviously i'm sure he does want to make money out of, of me of course but I think I mean, that is his main intention but yeah I, I did get the sense that he actually like really liked my stuff which was which was nice um yeah. and that's <clears throat> i mean what's, what's been your experience with 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 comedy competition because you mentioned a bit well it's like it's not really your kind of but it's not really where you shine no definitely not where i shine not at all but um, I think I think we all we all what's it called Lynn Ruth Miller for one of the interviews I had says that we all have our own niche and we're not all suited for a certain thing. 
So you have like Jerry Sadowitz and Daniel Kitson. They're some of the really well-respected comics and they have their own sort of niche and their own audience. And I think that's more what I'm going to focus on. I think I'm better at doing sort of shows rather than straight stand-up. So I think that's what I'll focus on. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the, the number of routes into stand-up, like, it's ri ridiculous that competitions should have to be the way that you progress in this field anyway. Like, I think there's a big problem in that a lot of, a lot of us are too focused on what everyone else is doing rather than what we're doing. And where there's a lot of, yeah, just there's a lot of trying to make fun of someone else to make yourself feel better. Or there's a lot of, yeah, I think there's too much folk, just focus on what you're doing. I mean, we're in this because we like, most of us are in this because we like making people laugh. Definitely. Yeah, you should compete with yourself, not with other people. That's definitely, I mean, I think you've probably seen that a lot as well. And I see that a lot and it's, yeah, it's, 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 this, I think this is the same with all things though, acting, singing, there's, there's a lot of funny things going on. And I think at the end of the day, not all of us are going to make it on TV, but I mean, do we need to get, make it on TV for it to be a success? Mm. I mean, right now, Finley, if you had your own audience of a hundred or 400 every show, and you got to make a full-time living just out of making them laugh. Would that be would that be bad? I'd probably prefer that. Yeah, that would yeah. be fine. Yeah. And it's also with some people that are at the top, they are are they happy? Are they mentally all right? Because that's a big question. They say that money can't buy you happiness, and that's true because if you're always looking for that more, then you're not too secure in yourself. Mm. And the trolling that happens now, I mean, since social media came about, the abuse we all give each other, fuck. You've seen some of the stuff that people say. You must have some stories of it as well, of what you see. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I, I do TikTok, so you get you get plenty of comments. <laughs> what's been your worst... What's been... A, it, <laughs> oh, one that wound me up. Man. <laughs> wound me up was this guy was like... It just drove me insane because I couldn't... I couldn't... He said... He said, uh, he said, great joke, um, but the pause was just a second too, it was, the pause was just a second too long before the punchline. And I was watching it back, like trying to work out like what he meant, like the pause was just a second too long, because everyone else said that joke, so oh, the pause is perfect, like, you know, don't just, but, but the fact that he thought, that he thought that enough to just comment it and be like, oh, just that one second just ruined it, just drove me crazy. <laughs> But what's he doing now? <laughs> I have no idea. I think, he's, I think he posts TikToks about bodybuilding. So <laughs> he's not even that big. Not that I'm taking it to heart or anything. Christ. Oh. <laughs> this could be a story. This could be a story of one of your jokes. <laughs> what's, what do you think comedy has given you? Um... God, some kind of creative outlet, I suppose. Um, and something and something that um and confidence is something I feel like I'm 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 good at. Yeah. And that, that gives me a bit of confidence. You you mentioned something that's quite interesting there about how when you did well in the competitions and that rising star, 
you felt that big urge you're like oh i might be good at it because I've, I've noticed that in comedians that have won competitions or that have done quite well because it's like with nigel Un, he was good when he came in from chicago he was doing it for a few years and so, then yeah. yeah exactly and when he came in and started winning competitions he it like his confidence level just came in you could see when he walks on stage he believed himself and he did this and that and I think you 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 feel that as well in a bit in a way. I mean, Definitely. we shouldn't do, but it does play in a part when you have things that are by your name, and you, when you have that moment, as you say, where we doubt ourselves, you've got that thing that says, "No, I got this," and that helps you sort of relax yourself a bit when you get those moments. Yeah, it, I think I think yeah, I think so. I think I agree. So from everything that's sort of happened in life and all that what have been some amazing moments you've had in comedy because you've you've been you've sort of traversed in both scenes but what has been a hilarious what the fuck moment in comedy oh what the fuck moment in comedy um oh do you know what when i was doing open mics you see some mentalists you just see some insane people, like <laughs> people that you like. I don't know. Actually, I sort of do know what it is about open mics that just attracts weirdos. I guess it's that kind of, you know, you're finally getting an audience for your madness. There was this one guy, bless him, I hope he's doing well, called, I don't know if you've seen this guy, Harry Scott Moncrief, I think was his name. Oh, him, yes. He got up on stage and he showed a sort of, tapestry not a tap it was like a, a thing that he'd made that that linked like C the cia to various like countries around the world and he started talking about like cia mind control and then he put that away and he started going and he's like big guy trench coat fedora he was going i promise you i'm not weird i promise you i'm not weird and then he went on with this for a bit and then he was like i'll prove you i'm not weird and he pulls out a knife and he said to me, he said, show me, no, that's a real knife, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, that's a real knife. And he cut his head open on stage and started just like bleeding like all over his shirt and on the stage. And, and it was so like, like triumphant, this moment where he was like, I'm not weird. I look at me, I bleed, I bleed red blood, just like you. Everyone just started clapping. <laughs> and then he talked to me afterwards for like 15 minutes about conspiracy theories. And his dad's apparently a comedian, I think. <laughs> well, his, his, his surname, there's a, there's a translation prize that has the, the same surname as him. I thought he might be descended from famous French to English translator. You could tell him. <laughs> he probably is. It's a weird surname. But that's, I think that's a common staple, though. You have a few, you have a few legends in the comedy scenes because you've got Dangerous T, John Sharp, Joe Baines, and Jimbo. They're big open mic legends. Jimbo, yes, of course. Ah, you've seen him. Of course, yeah, no, I remember Jimbo. He's great. Well, why is he not big yet? He's fantastic. Well, I think one of the biggest things is you've got to travel with gigs, and you can't just be... There's, there's many people on the London open mic circuit who will because they're not doing anything, not traveling out there and they're not, they may be stuck there the whole time. Cause that's mm. what I found myself looking back and things. If you're not willing to travel 
or to go out there, do all these different gigs, you've got to pay your dues and you've got to travel, you've got to do different gigs across the country. Otherwise, it's, you're just stuck in one place and this, you get comfortable and do you really grow or get better? That's the thing as well. You can work hard, but do you, are you getting better? Are you learning? Mm. Like you got to look on that because you've been doing comedy two or three years and there's probably comics that have been going way longer than you that are not on, not on your level. That's because they're not look, they're not working productively. There's a lot of comics that are a hundred times better than me, but I, that's, it's sometimes it's just the way it is. But I think yeah, you got to be productively. You got you got to assess yourself, and that is fucking hard to to find out where your weak points are or where you can get better. Well, yeah, and I think there's also people who just who just feel comfortable on the on the open mic circuit as well, and they just don't really mind if they progress or not. They see it as like a yeah. as like a hobby. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it depends what you want. If you want to get better, better and funny, you can't keep staying there. Mm. You got to find. You got to do something. Oh, it pisses me off. People at open mics who go up do do the same set, you know, every single week, and it's they they never kind of try to improve it. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and there's bits that just don't work, but they still try it. Yeah, it's that's well, that's the thing. I think that's why I'm I'm more I'm maybe more focused on putting on paid gigs i will run one a couple of new material nights but i think it's it's well it's not it's not up it's not anyone else's problem i think we just got to focus on ourselves everyone does themselves definitely. and go on from there definitely you're right now one thing i want to ask of you is what has been your biggest lesson in life and what would you like to plug to all the listeners Oh, okay. Um, well, my biggest lesson in life, damn, damn, that is such a, well, just, just generally, like, not that I've learned from comedy or, like, just, like, in life. Yeah, what has, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned about people, about how to be successful and about how to grow? Just, just don't take anything seriously. Just don't, the only thing I take seriously is, is, is not taking anything seriously. And that has been... That has mean, meant that I'm the happiest. I don't get involved with with politics. I don't get into debates about anything. I just try and enjoy life and, and just be positive all the time and just be just be silly. I think silliness is, is a really underrated um, virtue. I, I honestly like I don't even get in I don't get involved with religion. That is too serious for me. I don't politics, no. Um, yeah. I think that's so, the most important thing in life to me is being silly and getting on with things and just you just you so you're you're basically describe your life as a roller coaster just get on it have fun yeah just have fun honestly but don't be like will from the in-betweeners when he was on a roller coaster <laughs> of course of course not yeah try not to um well yeah that's but don't don't get pissed off with people as well. Don't just just accept that people in life are people in life are going to disappoint you. And just and just move on. Hmm. Just just get on with it. Just take and that, say bye. Take with a pinch of salt, honestly. 
one thing I want to say now. So for anyone who's listening, how do they get in touch with Finley Christie? Um, just hit me. I'm Finlay Comedy on everything at Finlay Comedy. If you want to see, I think the best kind of like repository of my bullshit is probably TikTok. Um, and I've got some stand-up clips on my Instagram and there's a few sort of old stand-up clips on YouTube, but probably the best. Um, yeah, TikTok's got a lot of my, my shit on it. All right. So guys, if you want to see Finley's shit, <laughs> no, if you want to see Finley Christie, you know where to go. Uh, it's been it's been good to talk to you, Finley, man. It's been lovely, honestly. It's been nice nice start to my day. Um, and I'll I'll see you uh, in a few gigs soon. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, see you soon, mate. Hey, get me on a night, man. Please. Definitely, definitely. I'll get you on with my Epsom night that I'm building up. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely come to that, man. Okay. Take care and rock your day. Yeah.